Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. So hi and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today it's just me um, and I'm delighted to welcome the legendary Jean McCarthy. She will say she's not legendary, but she is actually. (laughs) Um, She is the host of The Bubble Hour, uh, the writer of the Unpickled blog. And she's also written a really helpful guide for the holiday season called Unpickled the Holiday Guide. Uh, So uh, Jean... um, we are so delighted to welcome you on today. Welcome. So much for having me. It is a treat to be here. I love the work you're doing. Thank you. Well, we are huge, huge, huge fans of yours. And we, um, we actually both spoke to you quite recently, didn't we? Yes. So I yeah. got to interview you on the Bubble Hour and that was wonderful. Yeah, it was really, it was so lovely. And you're kind enough to invite me. Days are upon us and that 2020 is a particularly unusual, unprecedented set of circumstances. Uh, we thought it might be a good chance to talk about some of the suggestions that I've put together in the Unpickled Holiday Survival Guide and maybe maybe pull out some of the ones that are particularly relevant to this time of year in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. That would be so great. Thank you. And we always, um, we always start with a check-in. I think will be helpful. Sure. Yeah. So how, how are you today, Jean? Well, today I'm feeling a good, but definitely working hard every day to stay grounded and stay in a routine during a time when I feel like we're in upside down land. Yeah, for sure. And it it seems to sort of, no matter what kind of good intentions I have around this time of year, I still end up going a bit crazy. It's like I get the Christmas lights seem to dazzle me and the mad fairy of Christmas waves her wand. And before I know it, I've kind of lost the plot. (laughs) I think that's pretty common. And I feel like the, the trick with recovery is that we uh, are building routines and we're building us and then we hit this time of year where there's all of these other set of circumstances and expectations that we didn't even really realize we had for ourselves and suddenly we have to cram all this other stuff in and try to either fit our recovery around the demands of this time of year or fit the demands of this time of year around our recovery and that can become very crowded and very confusing and noisy emotionally and uh yeah for sure I mean and I really yeah I like what you said about that kind of how important routines and boundaries are and there's something about I mean Mandy and I talk about this about how high days and holidays can really mess with those right they can and I think if we're sometimes we're operating quite instinctively in our recovery and we're doing what works for us and maybe the next day we add something a little bit different so we think we have a really solid routine but it's actually slowly shifting and so we we sort of might develop what we think are boundaries that we need to protect it slightly how we adapt and morph our recovery from day to day even or from year to year and the trick I think is communication with the people around us because we do need to enlist the support and cooperation of our families and um, they may think oh yeah I remember what we did last time oh I remember we can do this this is how Kate likes to host 
this is how Kate likes things to be. Things have shifted for you and you have new needs or maybe what, what you, you weren't being fully honest last time. Maybe it didn't work all that well. Mm, say hosting a dinner, the roles that you assigned to different people and they may think, oh, it's okay to have alcohol at this party as long as I pour it and Kate doesn't have to pour it. And what you may have to after that is gosh it's over all that alcohol you may not discuss that with your partner so when it comes time to host again they may think I've got this I know how this worked last time and if we don't communicate to them that things need to adjust then um, it might somehow trip us up again and we secretly start to develop resentments towards other people that aren't doing what we need them to do, but we don't realize we got to tell them what we needed and we might be trying to soldier on and be good sports and it's just really tricky and it needs continual self-assessment and communication not in a not in a sad um, you know grinding kind of way but in a curious way I think we need to stay curious about ourselves curious about our recovery and open in our dialogue with the people that are playing those supporting roles in our lives Mm, I love that. I like, you know, what you said Thanks. about, um, you know, communication. Um, and that, I, I think that is one of those things, isn't it? If we've done it for a while, if we've, if we've not been drinking for a while, if we've been in recovery for a while, the suddenly assumptions can kind of creep back in um, from ourselves and from our loved ones. Um, and especially, like you say, these, this time of year, uh, and there's something about these high days which are like sticks in the sand. It's like we suddenly, it's like we've been on elastic and we may have done all of this sort of made progress and suddenly we snap back <laughs> to where, to our old roles. It's, it's very strange. I, that's what, actually when it comes to reconnecting with our family of origin. You know, I'm 53 years old, I'm a grandmother, I'm the matriarch of my family, and yet if I'm in a room with my sisters and my mom, I'm the youngest, and I go right back to that level. Speak for me, I follow along, I assume someone else is in charge, and that is not me at all. But I, you're right, those roles feel comfortable, they feel like love, even when they don't feel good, and we, we do, we snap back into them. I think that there's a word you said earlier that I think is really important, and that is expectations. And one thing we learn in recovery is to be mindful of our expectations, because an expectation is a resentment waiting to happen. Things either, you know, don't go exactly as we thought, or basically we're not in control of the outcome. And when it comes to the holidays, we have holiday traditions, and we have plans and intentions and schedules, and the, we have memories of the past good or bad and those can easily morph into expectations if we start to attach to them an idea of what outcome should be I have to do it this way or people will respond positively or negatively I'm giving a gift to be kind and generous but an expectation is that it will be received with pleasure or gratitude you can't control that you can only control being kind and generous mm, it's so true isn't it and it's that I often find it's um, when I get knocked off balance and become very reactive is when things go wrong. And, it, you know, it's that old classic of everyone having a big argument on Christmas Day. 
despite everyone really wanting to have a nice time and all of those kind of triggers. Um, and there's something, I remember something in, in the book that you wrote, The Unpickled Guide, about having a kind of a sober bubble. And I was wondering if you could give us some tips around, you know, protecting that kind of sober self and being in your bubble and kind of managing to stay out of re the reactivity that can, can trip us up. Mm -hmm. So the, the idea of a sober bubble is really pre creating a bit of a protective space around ourselves. And that can be literally a protective space. <laughs> and the idea of it came from an interview that I did many years ago. And I was drinking just days before she was hosting a very large family gathering for Thanksgiving. And she was determined to get through this very drinky family event uh, as the host and with her sobriety intact. So she made for herself a little nest in her closet. <laughs> she put blankets and pillows on the floor. She put little bottles of water. She put, charged up her phone. And whenever she felt overwhelmed by the party, she just slipped away, crawled into her closet, and just recharged for a few minutes. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's funny. It's what Mandy calls um, a woman cave, but often, often she uses it sort of more metaphorically, but this is an actual physical woman cave closet. It really was. And we can do that. It's as simple as saying, you know, I might need to call the babysitter later. I might need to call and just check in on my mom. Almost everyone has a space that they'll direct you to. If not, you can always use the bathroom. You can always step outside and take a quick walk in the fresh air. So there's even a way to sort of seek that space out for yourself. The point is that you have to have a little bit of a retreat to take yourself out of the moment, out of the rote way, that the old ways that we're used to interacting with people, even just out of the discomfort. I'm really socially awkward. I feel overstimulated in a crowd. I need to step out take a breath, check in with myself, look myself in the eye and remember who I am and get really ground, keep us very steady. Mm, I love that. And I think so many people who use alcohol um, and, you know, we, the people that we work mainly with are women and mums, carers, grandmothers, you know, people in caring and helping relationships. And there's something about the carer role around Christmas and there's something about the introvert role and so much of that sort of seems to collide at Christmas for so many people you know women that we're in contact with mm -hmm. I lost a bit of that question so I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to speak to what I heard what you say which is about being in that caregiver role and sort of feeling responsible for everyone else to have a wonderful time and for moms I think we feel responsible to make this a magical time for our children and to really bring out a, you know an extra level of specialness and here we are in 2020 when we're really restricted in what we're able to do so it could be a time when we look to develop some new traditions that are maybe a little more attainable and a little bit more heart-centered um, one thing our family will be doing uh, I uh, am very used to cooking large meals every weekend and for dinner every weekend because our family is large and we live close to each other. 
other and my home is the hub bring meals to everybody this Christmas and we will Skype. <laughs> That's going to be a little different. We'll see how it goes. It might be our new favorite thing. Uh, but we're also planning to have a big holiday party later in 2021 when all this is over. And I think it will be so fun, whether it's July or October, to haul out the Christmas tree and put on our crazy Christmas hats in the middle of summer and have a big party, a big do-over. Uh, that might become our new favorite thing. So I think we have to be really, we have to take some pressure off of ourselves. But I think we can have fun with trying to figure out new ways that we can make the best of what we have and do something different going forward. Mm, I love that. I, it's that being flexible as well, isn't it? That that you know like you what you said be curious be flexible take take the pressure off um especially this year um i think it's almost given us that opportunity to reflect on what's important um and not get swept up in it i mean i've spoken to quite a few people who have said that the actual run-up to christmas is a little easier this year because there's not all the socializing um but I do wonder what will happen on the big day, you know, that I think we need to prepare for it, really. Mm -hmm. Yes, there could be a feeling earlier about the expectations we don't even know that we have. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we can't, we have trouble identifying what, what is this that I'm feeling? I, I don't feel myself. I feel off. I feel sad. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes just naming it can help us move through it and understand that okay well it's just a day none of us really know what this is going to look like and i think that so we may go through phases of feeling angry and helpless that we're put in this position that things aren't the way we want and that even our best efforts couldn't fix it or control it or turn it into something that was all we hoped um you know you might plan the, the most wonderful possible setup for your family on the big day and they might just wake up on the wrong side of the bed because we're all human. Um, there's only so much that we can do. So we have to really detach from the outcome. Just stay really grounded in the moment. Gratitude is a miracle worker staying. And I think for me, when, when I really need to ease myself out of um, feeling badly, service to others can do a lot. So if we are feeling that um, I'm not happy with how things are going in my home. Uh, I, I can't get out of this funk. You know, maybe as simple as taking a plate of cookies and leaving it on a neighbor's door. Yes. I live in Canada. It's very snowy here. I love to shovel someone else's walks for them. I mean, I have to do mine. I might as well take an extra 10 steps and do both of my neighbors. And I don't do it for accolades. I just do it to extend some kindness. And that makes me feel better whether or not they even notice whether or not it snows that night and covers it all back up again it just feels good go do something for someone else as much as you can yeah i love that i was gonna it's gonna bring me on to to my next question which was how do you personally take care of yourself uh during this period well um i think that for me the number one tool for self-care that I have consistently relied on through a decade of recovery is long walks with headphones. Um, it is felt out or maybe we have to wear a mask or we might feel a little bit uneasy being out in the world when there's a lot of rules and they're changing every day. We're not sure how that fits. 
For me, being under the sky right-sizes me. It reminds me of my place in the natural world and my feet on the ground literally ground me and put things back in place. Um, so that is my number one self and to get my heart pumping a little bit to breathe some fresh air and to listen to something on my headphones that's going to fill me up and, and help me learn something new or connect with another person's story. Mm, I love that. And, and you've just named, um, I, I'm a big fan of the science of happiness, um, the work that's coming out of Berkeley and Harvard universities at the greater good science center and you've just mentioned about five of their sort of top 10 i think which was awe self-compassion kindness nurture and connection that is fascinating and it's so true but you know it's kind of like drinking water i mean how many times do we not feel well and all we need is a glass of water or a little bit of protein to eat but what do we have we have a coffee and a sweet to self-nurture, but it's so simple that we, we want to gloss over it and do something a little harder, you know? So I think uh, by putting these things into our routines, we can get ourselves back to basics and do the simple thing and remember that, you know, we need to connect, we need to reflect and extend self-compassion in the same way that we need to some sometimes just drink a glass of it might change everything about how you feel yeah yeah i, I mean I the really, metaphorical glass of water as well as the real one <laughs> yeah for sure and i think the other thing that you you were sort of really pointing out earlier on is if we have if we have these practices as part of our toolkit we're going to be hopefully more likely to be able to call on those tools um because we've been We've been practicing them. Um, mm -hmm. I, I stepped on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, so, step away. <laughs> so practicing the tools, um, I even recommend practicing in front of a mirror saying, no, thank you. Saying different ways to say, I'm alcohol free. I don't drink. Um, or it's the more that when we need them on short notice, instead of trying to remember them and, and come up with them and invent how to use them, we're just recalling it. We're going through the motions that we've already practiced. And it makes them a little more accessible in real time when we need them. Because typically, when we need to call on our skills, it's because we're under some kind of pressure. So we may not have the ability to just, you know, quickly come up with what we need. So the more that we can practice it, literally practice it ahead of time, the more that we can recall it quickly when we need to. Mm, I love that. And I, I think this, you know, the idea of the toolkit is so important for, for this time of year, especially, you know, the, this time when for you know the bright lights can knock us off the it can, it's that sort of sensory overload piece on people's nervous systems so having like you said sort of prep and planning but also that physical space to go from away you know away from the kind of madding crowd and also even like you said that that um walk in the woods with headphones on there is sort of sense, we can look after ourselves in a sensory way at Christmas, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yes, and really delight in these things. I mean, it can be a call back to uh, the good and um, 
rather than trying to conjure that up, if we can stay really present in the moment, we can just call awareness to when we're feeling it. And I think that is one of the biggest tricks of recovery is just stay in the moment, be here now. Um, anxiety, um, expectation, which we talked about earlier, these are all getting a step ahead of ourselves, right? Starting to future trip, starting to think about the outcome, investing in the outcome, just be in the moment and just trust ourselves that we're okay, we're safe, we can count on ourselves, we just need to be here now and just experience what is happening right now and know that whatever happens next will unfold and we'll be okay. Pertinent and it's reminding me of, you know, stay out of the Christmas past, don't worry about the Christmas future, we're staying in the Christmas present. <laughs> Yeah, right. The present is the present. I mean, we could get all cute with the metaphor about presents, yeah. <laughs> presents in the present. But no, I want not. to. You know where I'm going. <laughs> but it, it, there's just this is where we're most in our power, and I think that a lot of that lean too hard on alcohol to numb out of the present moment. It's felt intolerable. And so moment and reconnect with that self-love for ourselves. And that is the gift of recovery. So sobriety is taking the alcohol out of the equation. Sobriety is one thing. Recovery is everything we do. So we tend to think of sobriety as being the end goal. But sobriety, which is to take the alcohol out of our life, that just clears the way for healing. So recovery is what comes next. And recovery is all of the work that we do to learn to be still and be present with ourselves so that we can enjoy being in this moment. We don't need to numb. We don't need to heighten the moment. We can just trust. Yeah, I, I love that. And um, I was just nodding. I was nodding away and thinking, you know, I'm not, I won't go into my story because this is not my podcast, but I, that makes so much sense to me. Um, and that, that, you know, the joy of when you start to feel like you can be present and it's okay and it's not intolerable, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, it's beautiful. And that's, I think that's where the freedom is. You know, you, like you say, you can be, you can not drink and you be, can be gritting your teeth. But at some point, and I love that, you know, you have to have quite a lot of faith, I think, at the beginning as well. If it's people's first Christmas, it's like you think, oh, I'll never get this. But, but you will, right? It, it comes. I lost you during the question. We are sure struggling through this. <laughs> I love that we're both being calm and trusting ourselves. <laughs> I know. And, then, and just saying, feeling safe with one another, knowing that um, we're both doing our best. And, and <laughs> this would have driven me absolutely crazy at a different stage of life. Mm. And yet, um, I'm just delighting in the miracle of us being able to converse from so far away and, and doing our best to find, to find um, the, the heart of this discussion, despite all the interruptions. Um, um, I love the fact that we've, we've ended up with that kind of being present message and you've given lots of sort of very good, very wise insights um, and tools around that. So I think what I'd like, we always end um, our podcasts by asking your reason to love sober today, a tip of the day and a reason to love sober today. Um, I think that 
my tip of the day, I'm going to tell you what I used to do in early sobriety that made the biggest difference for me. I found that the hardest part of the day for me was after supper and until bedtime, basically drinking myself to sleep at night. Because when you crawl into bed, that's when you're alone with the voices, alone with the thoughts. And I was trying to skip over that. So I would get very anxious towards the end of the day without being alone with my thoughts. So I would try to fill my evening with doing nice things. So my tip of the day is to close the kitchen after you're done cleaning up from your supper, wipe the counters, light a candle, and what I like to do is prep my coffee for the next morning because the ritual of building a pot of coffee, grinding the beans, setting it up, setting the timer, does two things. It keeps you busy and it addresses that need for ritual that we used to have a lot of ritual around drinking. And uh, it's doing something nice for yourself in the future. So there's some delayed gratification. And I like to set the timer so that my morning alarm goes off just slightly after the coffee's ready. So the first thing that happens that has already done something nice for me, and that's me, has done something nice for me. So it's a way to sort of busy yourself and do something nice for your future self and and practice delayed gratification. So that's my tip, is to build some ritual and routine into your evening. And the reason I love being sober today is that I am uh, a matriarch in my family. I'm growing into the older woman I always wished I could be. And let me tell you that alcohol was not going to be a problem that my family would have had to deal with. And instead, what I am is I'm not a burden to anyone. I am just a true blessing to my family. They can count on me. I am the grandmother, the mother, the wife, the mother-in-law, and my family knows they can count on me. They don't ever have to worry about calling me for something late at night. I'm not gonna be drunk. I'm not gonna be passed out. You need me? Guess what? I can even drive. You know, not being able to drive every night was a huge, problem for me. I can now drive 24 hours a day. You need me, I'm there. That's what I love about being sober every single day is that I am finally the woman I always dreamed that I could be for the people I love. Thank you so much, Jean. That's it's so wonderful to to speak with you and to be able to give our our listeners and our community, you know, your your insights from years years of being sober and year, you know, years of being alive and I and I hear that that wise woman and I feel um I feel I know I just always feel like honored to talk to you sort of warmed and honored all at the same time so thank you so much it's my enormous pleasure thank you for all you're doing and thanks for holding space for me today I love it bye bye Jean thank you